Point, why don't you greet a couple people around you before we move to the next song?
Later in the service, we're going to be looking at Joshua 24. One statement that Joshua makes in 24 is this. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's talking about this. Are you going to make this? We all make this choice if we're going to serve idols or if we're going to serve the living God. And Jesus said something very similar in Matthew 6, 24. He said this, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. No one can serve both God and money. It's the same principle that Joshua was talking about in the Old Testament. As Christ followers, we're called to worship God alone, supremely above all else. He is great, majestic, awesome, deserves all our praise. And so as we worship Him, we worship Him in how we work, how we sing, how we open up the Word, and how we relate to others. We also worship God with our money, money that ultimately He has provided for us, called us to manage for His glory, for His purposes, for His mission. And so my prayer for us as a church and as individual households is that we'd be a people who would confess, Lord, sometimes we're tempted to serve the God of money. But Lord, in your grace and in your, in your power, we want to serve you and you alone. We want to despise the one so that we might be devoted to you and you alone. So if you call Crosspoint your church home, we'd encourage you to give as the Lord leads you. If this is your first Sunday here, don't feel obligated to give. Father God, I pray that we as a, as a people, as a church family, would worship you well not just in how we sing, not just in how we work and how we live this week, but in how we give. God, I pray that you would work in our hearts, that our hearts would be, uh, that you would help us to, to give with, uh, with a cheerful attitude. God, I know for me, there are temptations in me to want to serve the God of money. And so, as your people, we want to despise that. We want to reject that so that we can be devoted to you and so that we can love you above all else. Help us as a people to do that. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are more than my words 
My name is Dave, and it's uh, good to be together here in the living room with us, or with you, and just sharing about um, uh, how God is at work, not only in us, but uh, through us. And so over spring break, we had a team of 33 adults and students go on a mission trip to Reynosa, Mexico. And if those of you who are sharing you want to come on up to the stage, that'd be great. But uh, Isaiah 55 is a ministry that we love around here. We've taken four trips uh, down there since 2011. And so we've got a couple of cross pointers, um, a couple of households either on staff or moving down there. Darren and Jane Freidinger are missionaries that we support who are on staff with Isaiah 55. And they've been down there for four years. And then uh, Brad and Erica Lehman are preparing for the mission field, raising support, and hoping to be on the mission field for, uh, by next summer. And so we wanted to share, uh, just give an opportunity for some of the members of the team to be able to share not only how God worked in them, but also how God is at work in Isaiah 55 and in the city of Reynosa and through this ministry. So. Hi. Um, Okay, my name is Jordan Mead, um, and I first want to read 
Isaiah 55, 11 through 12. Um, it is the same way with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all that I w want it to, and it will prosper everywhere that I send it. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will, will burst into joy, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Um, when I first went to Reynosa, I prayed a lot that God would um, wreck my heart and just show me some really new things that I wasn't expecting. And um, that is exactly what God did, but times a billion. Um, I came home and my heart was completely wrecked. Um, my eyes were open to so much, and uh, I just had a very different look on the mission field and um, going on missions trips when I came home. A big thing that really just um, stuck with me on this trip was the word joy. Um, and through this trip, I learned like there is no greater joy than, Je than Jesus. And no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what your life is like at home, um, Jesus' joy needs to be spread to everyone because it is greater than anything you could ever know. Um, I learned a lot. I found a lot of joy in the work that we did down there. Um, for many days, we would do painting or construction work and just things like that. And um, it was very tiring, very exhausting, but it allowed me to grow so much. Um, I grew with my missions team, just we created very strong bonds through the work that we did down there. Um, and I also grew a lot in the appreciation I have. Um, the things I appreciate here at home, um, I learned that I am so blessed to have what God has given me. Um, and I, it was amazing just to see the difference between what God has given them and what he's given um, us, just physical aspects. Um, but I learned through this mostly that everyone needs Jesus so deeply um, down, um, down there and throughout this world through the work that we did. Um, and I also saw a lot that we needed a lot. Um, I found a lot of joy in the activities that we did down there, too. Every afternoon, we would go down to the baseball or soccer fields. Um, we do arts and crafts. We play games with the kids. And um, there was one day where um, I was looking out the car window, and I saw kids just jumping up and down as we were driving out there. And that really just caught my eye that moment, seeing the joy that they had that we were coming out there to play. And in this moment, I realized, like, um, I need to have that much joy for the Lord. He is so good, and his love for us is just so unfailing and um, just so amazing. And that's the kind of joy I want to have for the Lord, um, and I want to spread that to other people. Um, and through this trip, I learned that his joy is needed everywhere, no matter if it's in your own home, in your own community or school, or if it's thousands of miles away. Um, we are called to come and spread God's word, and um, we need to let God lead us and um, just spread his joy because it is absolutely amazing. Thanks, Rainy. <clears throat> Isn't she so cool? I just think the teens on this trip were really, really neat, and to see them um, bond with each other was really cool. <clears throat> I'm not going to cry. <laughs> um, Good morning. I'm Chris Amick, and my husband Sam and our youngest daughter Liz, who's 24 and lives in Denver, went with us on the trip. Our trip was incredible. It was very humbling. I've never experienced such poverty. People living in shacks at the dump, and they didn't have, and they don't have much chance to change any of that. They only have the opportunity to go to school through sixth grade. Yet kids were happy, coming every day to be with us, playing baseball. Uh, we. 
painted faces. They painted our faces. Uh, we helped them make necklaces and bracelets, and they were just so excited every day. Uh, we, we had a great team, and uh, we really bonded. We were God's hands and feet. We could feel God's presence the whole time we were there. We grew as a church family. Being there made me realize God is working everywhere. Even in the midst of evil, God is there. The Isaiah 55 staff inspired me too. They have such a joyful spirit and strong faith. The experience has challenged me to examine my own priorities. God has blessed us, and it's made me think of how we should use our resources. It has also made me think I need to spend more time with the Lord praying and reading the Bible and less time on my cell phone and Facebook, and this is a challenge that I'm working on. I would encourage all of you to think about going next time. We worked hard but had fun in the process. We accomplished a lot. The buildings, the ball field, our team bonded, and every day we spent uh, time in prayer, sharing our thoughts and feelings about how God was working in each of us. I drew closer to God, and I feel that I'm continuing to do that since we've come home. The quality time we had with our daughter to be with her and be able to share this time and talk and pray with her about her faith journey was priceless. I wish the rest of our kids could go and experience this. The friendships and connections you make with our church family are wonderful. You get to know everybody pretty good when you live with them for a whole week. <laughs> I feel very blessed to have 30 new friends. Take two. I will not cry. I will not cry. All right, Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. So this was... Uh, my third trip down and Dave's fourth trip down. And it's really neat to be able to see and bring different teams down um, to see them experience it. And when we drive through the streets for the very first time to see their eyes or to drive through the, over the border for the first time just to kind of watch their eyes. <laughs> That's the funnest thing for me to just watch people um, experience it for the first time. So um, it was really neat on this trip. Um, we, I am going to cry. <laughs> To be, to be able to um, just sit, sit with Darren and Jane Freidinger down there was really special. Um, I had some great time with Jane this week. Um, they're one of the missionaries that we support here who is already down there. It was also very emotional because my best friend is going down there to be um, part of Isaiah 55 as well. Erica Lehman and her family, too, and Brett, too. <laughs> so, um, so because of that, this was very, this, this trip really pulled at my heartstrings because I'm sending my best down there. So it was, it, was, it was a tug of war kind of in my heart this time that I hadn't had before. Um, what, Jane, what Jane shared with me was really neat. Um, she said, Heather, it's really hard to like, you know, we're supposed to come back and give this huge progress report of what have you done on the mission field? And, you know, you're supposed to, you want to be able to give this grand thing. And you look around, and you're like, are we doing anything? 
you know, and so it's been really neat, and I was able to share with her from the first trip I've gone down, and even the first trip he went down before me, to now, I see huge progress in that colonia, and it's really neat. It's just family by family, and little kid by little kid, and they're little, I mean, it's, it's incredible to see that, and the way Isaiah is, um, is working on in creating programs for people to have jobs that don't involve the cartel or trafficking or things like that, meaningful jobs that they can have pride in. So they're doing welding and um, sewing and things like that, not just for, for the um, deaf people, but for hearing people in that colonia. So it's been really neat to be able to see that. <clears throat> so I told Jane, I said, I see it, you know, I know it feels like, and I know, because we get stuck like this too. You feel like you're stuck in the mud sometimes, like, is this, are we doing anything? But it's happening, and it's beautiful. So with blessing, I send my best friend down there, because I know God will use their family in a big way, because I saw them love on those kids like nobody and that was one of my favorite joys is just to watch I'm a, I'm a people watcher anyway but just to watch her and watch Brad and watch their kids just engage with those kids they're going to be an amazing asset down there and I'm so proud of them for stepping out and I'm so I'm so I just love the team that we had this time too so I think I'm done babbling <laughs> but I'm just really thankful for the opportunity to be able to have gone and don't miss it Next time, I know money is tight, and it's always hard. Start saving now, so that way it won't be an issue. Just start saving your coffee money or something like that. But just come next time. You won't regret. Um, if you've been around Crosspoint for a while, uh, my wife's, there's an inverse, um, I think an inverse relationship. You step on stage and you pick up one of these things and um, it, uh, authenticity and emotion flows. So I, um, I'm grateful for that. Thanks for Chris and Jordan for sharing. And uh, I do encourage you to go next time. Um, it will cost you, I think the thing I say is it will cost you your time and money, uh, but it will change your life. God will be at work in, in you and through you. Um, as you go. And so just encourage you to do that. If you have a Bible, get to the book of Joshua right after the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, we've been in Joshua for a few weeks now, and uh, next week we move into Judges. And if you're new with us today, we are um, uh, beginning, a, or we're in, a, in the midst of a three-year journey through the scriptures, Genesis to Revelation. We started last September this, trying to get an overall picture of the story that God is unfolding from beginning to end, and how Jesus ultimately is the hero of that story, and he's the center of it throughout all of it. Um, if you don't have a good Bible, get one at Guest Connections and then um, take that home with you. At the end of the service, we're going to close in singing and worship. And during one of those songs, we're going to take a special offering for what we call our family fund. And our family fund is, is basically a fund designed for regular tenders and, a, and members of Crosspoint, uh, people who call Crosspoint their church home and who are in financial crisis. It's not an ongoing support thing. It is a one-time support thing with some tied in with some financial coaching to help people uh, overcome whatever crisis that they are in and to be able to uh, handle God's money uh, in a way that um, doesn't cause them to um, live in crisis. 
And so we'll be taking an offering for that at the end of the service. Just encourage you to give generously as the Lord leads you for that. Our vision talks about being uh, dedicated to one another, and this is an example of how we do that. Also, some Crosspoint family news here. Uh, congrats to uh, Cody Boehner and Molly Brown on their engagement. They are getting married in September, and so we rejoice with those families and, um, and with Cody and Molly at, at, uh, at their engagement. And then happy birthday to Pastor Eric. Um, so make sure you say something to him after the service and wish him a happy birthday. All right, the book of Joshua, chapter 24. This is the last chapter of Joshua today, and we read of his uh, final words of Joshua. And the, and the book records here the death of, of him. And we get to read here in chapter 24 the final words of Jesus as he, or the final words of Joshua as he speaks these uh, words to the nation of Israel. The end of Deuteronomy, Moses passes away. The mantle of leadership is passed on to Joshua. He has led the Israelites into the promised land. They've conquered the land. They've conquered the inhabitants. inhabitants and, and some of the people there returned, or some of those people turned to the Lord and worshiped the Lord. Others remained enemies of God. And we see the Lord's justice uh, over those people, conquering those people. Joshua divides up the land into the 12 tribes. And you see this great moment of God's faithfulness from Genesis 12 this promise given that the family of Abraham will one day be blessed with land and, 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 and many generations and numbers as, as the stars in the sky. You see this promise made in Genesis 12, and then you see in the book of Joshua this promise being unfolded when, unfolded when it comes to the land, that God has been faithful to see them through to that. And at the very end of Joshua, we read here of one of his final speeches to the people. He's led these people for all these years. It's not super clear as to how old Joshua was when he walked into the promised land with the people. Uh, most say that he was around 60. Verse 29 in, 20, in chapter 24 says that he dies at 110. And so you could safely say he has led the nation for 50 years. He's been among the people even longer from the day of his birth. He is, he is one of two Israelites who have walked through the exodus out of Egypt and who have now entered the promised land. One of two. And so he's walked with these people, led them now for 50 years. And the reality is, after that much time, after those many years, he's going to have something to say to this nation. You can learn a lot from someone's final words, right? I believe the longer you live, you, you, the more direct and maybe more concise your convictions are. I know that's the reality for us as parents. The more focused our parenting is, the longer we go, the longer our, our kids grow up. Like we've kind of drilled it down. Here are the biblical truths that we're trying to impress upon our children. We're trying to impress it upon their hearts, talk about it all the time, when we walk along the road, when we get up, at all times, so that when they leave our home, these things will be upon their hearts, written upon their hearts. It's like when all the dust settles, when all the cream rises to the top. Pick your cliche. These are the big things we're seeking to live out and help the next generation to do the same thing. And this is where Joshua is at and the nation is at. Imagine the Israelite nation who have been led for 50 years by Joshua. And you can imagine them hanging on these words, listening to them intently. And I pray we would do the same thing because here we have this opportunity to not only get a window into Joshua's heart, but ultimately the heart of our Father in heaven who's speaking to us through his word, through Joshua 24. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, don't follow him, I pray you would today. 
And if you do, if you consider yourself a Christ follower today, I pray that we would be charged by these words and that they would cause significant growth in us. They would transform us and change us as we surrender to him. So Joshua 24, he begins with this brief history of the Israelite nation. But the retelling of the history has a purpose. He's not just filling time here. This is not just kind of the fluff intro that doesn't mean anything. It sets the stage for what he's going to call the people to. In verse 14, he begins to call the people to something. He says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. But that now therefore, that phrase, should lead us when we're reading our Bibles to say, okay, what did he just say before that? Because if we start at verse 14 then we're, and we just kind of say, now therefore, then we're missing the context here. We're missing what happened right before that. If we just start at the application side of the truth and don't see the foundation behind it, then we've missed the point. This is what parents do sometimes with their kids or what some of us are prone to do with our friends or family. We say, listen, you need to live this way. You need to stop that addiction. You need to pursue sexual integrity when it comes to dating. You need to stop lying. And on and on we go with these lists of commands that we give to them. But if we don't tie those commands to the reason why or or what is the foundation that they're coming from, then all we're doing is calling our friends, our children to this moralistic standard. We're basically saying, be moral. That's not what a Christ follower is. That's not the message of the gospel. Being a moral person doesn't save us. In fact, it will just enslave us. That's the reality of it. If we just say, be moral, do this, don't do that, it just enslaves. What sets free, is what, what saves us, what leads to our joy, our life, our freedom, is to know personally the God who created us. And that same God is the God who saves us through His Son, who empowers us through His Spirit. And through that power and through His grace, we can live and we can grow to become more and more like Christ day by day, moment by moment, being transformed more and more into His glory. You see the difference? One is teaching the law. One is teaching the gospel of God's grace that sets us free and empowers us and truly changes us from the inside out. So verses 1 through 13 is Joshua talking about who God is, what He's done, And then we get to verse 14, which says, Now, therefore, because of this truth, in light of, serve the Lord. So let's talk about verses 1 through 13 first. Starting in verse 1, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt, and I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with with what I did in the midst of it, and afterward I brought you out. And so Joshua is going all the way back to Genesis 12 where he calls Abraham to leave his home country and follow God. Joshua is highlighting the kindness, the power, the love of God throughout the, nation, the, history's, the uh, nation's history. 
He's been faithful to keep His promises for all these years. And here's one thing I love about as I read those verses. Look at how many times the Lord says, I. I took, I gave, I sent, I plagued, I brought you out. God has been so good to them. God has done all the work. The Israelites used to worship and serve other gods. But God stepped in, brought their father Abraham out of idolatry, and Abraham turned and served from, tur- turned from serving false gods and served the one true living God. They were once in chains, but now they've been set free. It's the same reality for us as Christians. The same reality that Paul talks about in Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1. The first three verses, he says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of wrath. So once we lived by the God of self, once we served the God of this world, once we served the, the God of, of money. It's the same phrase here that Joshua talks about in verse 2, that once Abraham served other gods. But then verse 4, but God, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we are dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Notice the word grace shows up three times there. By grace, His grace, by grace. God has been gracious to those of us who have been saved. And God is continuing to be gracious toward those of you who have yet to confess Him as Lord. His grace is too good. His grace is too good for you to resist that any longer, for you to reject that any longer. I can promise you after following Jesus for 22 years, His grace is too good to reject it. And so because of that grace, because of God's saving work in us, then verse 10 calls us to do good works. In light of God's salvation, in light of that grace we have, been rece- we have received, we do good works. We follow, we obey, we love, we go. This is the progression that Joshua is wanting the Israelites to get here in chapter 24. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. So the nation has been set free from Egypt not to serve themselves, not to uh, worship themselves, but to worship and serve the living God, the God who did all of that work. God protected them. God set them free from the bondage. He continues, and and you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, and you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then, Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you, so I delivered you out of his hand. 
God met their needs in the wilderness. God has protected the people. God has conquered their enemies. God has not forsaken them. Verse 11, And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the leaders of Jericho fought against you and also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I gave them into your hand. Do you see how Joshua keeps wanting to say, listen, look at all that God has done. Look at all he's done. Look at how faithful he's been. And I sent the hornet before you. If you live in the Eureka School District, our mascot is biblical. It's in the Bible. It's here. I don't know about rockets and titans. I don't know. I'm just... So I sent the hornet before. And a a hornet basically just means a a metaphor, a a metaphor of the fear of the Lord was moving out ahead of them. All right? It just adds fuel to the fire of how awesome that is, all right? But again, let's talk about the Bible. Um, And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not uh, by your sword or by your bow. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant, Notice how clearly Joshua is wanting to remind them, listen, God has done the work. And the people are simply recipients of his grace and his goodness. So in light of all that, in light of God's salvation, in light of his awe-inspiring faithfulness from generation to generation to generation, verse 14, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Fear the Lord, meaning to revere Him, be devoted to Him, to live your life in a way that where moment by moment you're seeking to be aware of the Lord's good and holy presence in your life. And at no time and at no place can you not be in His presence. Fear the Lord. Serve the Lord in sincerity and in faithfulness. This describes our attitude, the approach that we are to take as we serve God. And remember the context that that this is. It's in light of God's salvation. They are to respond in worship and serving. It's in light of that. Serving God does not lead to our salvation, but it's out of this new identity we have as the people of God, as Christ's followers, that we go and do good works, which he's prepared in advance for us to do. We're also given this command that in order to fear the Lord and serve him, the people must put away false gods. They were warned not to turn back to the habits of their fathers who fell into idolatry, the fathers who worshipped a golden calf. Here's the reality that you and I face today, is that for some of us, if not all of us, because of our sin nature, we have the potential to fall back into habits of idolatry of the previous generations. And some of you are fully aware of that. And some of you are completely blind to that. And that you're going down the exact same path that your father or your mother or your grandparents did. I pray the Lord, just in his love and his goodness, would would expose that in your life today. Your dad was this way. Your mom was that way. Whatever this or that way was, it has the potential of just being this generational sin that just gets passed down one after another. 
And some of you are like, I'm not going to go there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build down this. My family is going to be on a new foundation. I'm building a firewall between that generation and that sin of that generation and the, and the rock and the family and the household that we are building now. I'm going to lay, lay down this, this firewall. But listen, the only way that's going to happen is by you surrendering to Christ and continually confessing your dependency and your trust in Him. That's the only way. It's not in your own strength. That's the only way in surrender that freedom actually comes. Where the sin cycle gets broken, where the addiction gets broken, where the brokenness of that previous generation gets restored and transformed. It's only Christ who has the power to change the the direction of your life and the generations that will follow you. So don't fall back into the sin cycle. You've seen where that leads. You have, right? Today is a new day, a new God-given opportunity to say, Lord, take my life, take my household, take my future, and may it be worship to you. And that's where Joshua goes next in verse 15. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Again, you see this really clear contrast that Joshua wants to draw between the new generation and the old generation. Who are you going to serve? This is the question that Joshua poses to the people, one that the Lord is laying upon us and before us this morning. Who are you going to serve? Choose this day who you will serve. The choice is before us. And listen, by a lack of choice, we are making a choice. This is not something we can be neutral on or be indifferent to. It's not a matter of if we will serve or if we will worship. It's who we will serve and who we will worship. But as for me and my house, Joshua says, we will serve the Lord. Is that your prayer? Is that your desire? Cross point. I don't care if you're single engaged, married, no kids, 20 kids, grandkids, no grandkids, no matter what your household looks like. The question is, who will you serve in this life? And if you are married, husbands, it starts with you. It starts with you. It starts with you saying, Lord, take my life. Take my heart. I surrender it before you. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and I, will be, and I will go first. And I will walk in a posture of humility before my family and before you, Lord. Here's what we're tempted to do is to try to add God into our lives without subtracting anything. But this is why Joshua commands the people, serve the Lord in sincerity and in faithfulness. Don't put on a show, the sincerity. Don't put on a show. Don't pretend. Don't act like, oh, yeah, we're going to serve the Lord, and you really could care less. Serve the Lord with authenticity, sincerity, faithfulness. And if we just left it at that, we'd say, okay, great. We don't have to subtract anything. But this is why Joshua says, put away the other gods. Later in uh, verse 19, Joshua reminds the people that God is a jealous God meaning he desires and deserves to be worshipped alone above all else. In the New Testament, God is compared to, Jesus is compared to a faithful groom 
And we as his church are his bride. And as our, as our groom, he longs for us to love him above all else. Love him supremely. Alone. So what needs to be subtracted from your life? What needs to be put away so that you might worship the Lord more fully? What's competing for your affections? What do you run to when you're stressed, when you're maxed out? What do you run to in those moments? Is it something there that needs to be subtracted, needs to be put away? Who is the one who ultimately has the authority in your life? I know for me, uh, maybe you can relate, but I just fight this tendency to want to crawl back on the throne of my heart and life. And I'm surrendering, I'm kneeling before, and then I find myself kind of like trying to crawl back onto that stupid thing. And I can tell you, and the message is, we've got too short a day to work with, but I could tell you story after story of how that doesn't go well, how that doesn't go well, and it doesn't lead to life, and it doesn't lead to blessing, and it doesn't lead to joy. What leads to life and joy and rest and relationship with the Lord, relationship with others, fellowship with the Lord, fellowship with one another, is for me to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua is driving the stake into the ground, saying the rest of the nation may turn to other gods, but my household won't. The rest of culture may consider it foolishness to follow Jesus and trust in Him, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Remember, it's in the context of, God, you've been so good to us. Verses 1 through 13, you've been so faithful. You've been so powerful. You've been so majestic, so loving. In light of our salvation, in light of your gracious work and power on display, Lord, we want to serve you. We don't want to serve with begrudging hearts, but we don't want to serve with, we want to serve with glad hearts. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If that's our prayer, how does that play out then in our daily lives? Because if you read the rest of the chapter, which I'd encourage you to do today, but if you read the rest of the chapter, you get a a sense of the people saying, yeah, Joshua, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to do that. And, And Joshua more or less calling it out as lip service, saying, first, your hearts have to be transformed before you can expect the Lord expect to serve the Lord first, you have to say to the Lord, Lord, change my heart. Change the direction of my life. Where I'm in disagreement with you, bring about repentance in my heart so that I might agree with you, so that I might follow you. My prayer is that for us as a church, we could say, but as for us and our household at Crosspoint, we will serve the Lord. We will serve in faithfulness and sincerity. That we won't grow weary in doing good. That we will be a people who will put away the false gods, who will walk in the light where we're tempted to not do that. But we will walk in community with others and say, this is what I'm praying. I would put away. Help me. Pray with me. Encourage me. Bear with me in that. The things that want to uh, try to rule over us, the empty idols that we want to turn to to try to find life in or the sins of the previous generation that that we would say as a people, we're not going to go down that path. We're not going to walk down that same path. We will serve the Lord. 
And we will serve the Lord not in our own strength, not in our own might, but in light of our salvation, in light of the goodness and the power of our God, in light of the truth that the Holy Spirit dwells inside the life of a believer, in light of the reality that the Lord is always with us and we can't escape His presence, but His good presence is always near us. Whether this is your first Sunday here, you've been here for 12 plus years, I pray that we would be a people who could say, as for us and our household, the Crosspoint family household, that we will serve the Lord. And may it not just be lip service, but may that be our prayer, saying, Lord, change me, transform me, transform us. We want to glorify you. We want to point to you. As we close in worship, we're going to take our, the team wants to come back up, but um, we're going to take our offering for the family fund, so I encourage you to to give to that as the Lord leads you. And as the team comes up, I just want to read Psalm 100. It says this, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. We are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. In his courts with praise, give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Father, I pray that you would spur us on as a generation to serve you with gladness and delight. And as we serve you, we would just get a full picture of who you are. Help us to be a people who enter your courts and your gates with thanksgiving. Help us to be a people who would put away false gods so that we could worship you and you alone. As a church and as your people, today we are choosing to serve you as a way of life. This is not something we'll pick up later on, but this is something we're going to live out. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the Word how it's alive and active. As for us in our household, Lord, our prayer is that as a church, we would serve you in faithfulness and in sincerity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand up and worship.
Lord, we give you this morning. Uh, Lord, we just ask that you would help us uh, make our home a commitment to you, Lord. And as that we can truly and honestly say, as for me and my house, Lord, we will serve the Lord. Not because of our effort, Lord, but because of your grace that we do that, Lord. 
And we just thank you for that so much in your name. Amen.
You guys have a great week. We'll see you back next week. Thanks for worshiping with us this morning.